Welcome to IWD Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. Hey there, Dr. Nicole from Integrative Wellness Group in Belmar, New Jersey. Hi, Dr. Nick here. Clinical nutritionist, Brooke. I am Dr. Kyle. You are listening to IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. Hey there, this is Dr. Nicole, and welcome to another episode of IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. So welcome back to another session here with myself and Brooke, our clinical nutritionist here at Integrative Wellness Group in Belmar, New Jersey. Uh, We're going to actually dive in today talking about adrenal fatigue. Um, I think this is a common phrase that we hear about. We maybe read articles, listen to other podcasts, um, but some of us maybe are not too sure what it means exactly or even the symptoms that come along with it. So we're going to just elaborate a little bit more on uh, what adrenal fatigue means and also one is, what are some of the things that you can do to start addressing uh, it if you have it. I'm glad that this is our topic today because Dr. Nicole and I were actually standing in her kitchen earlier today having a conversation about how adrenal fatigue is something that is very, very common and we see it daily in our office. But it's not necessarily something that if you're having these symptoms that you go to your regular doctor and that they tell you are possibly a reason why you could be experiencing some of the things that you are. So I think it's really important to just shed some light on this and give you a little bit of information just so you have the tools to even ask better questions uh, when you are seeking help. So I'll have Dr. Nicole go ahead and explain a little bit more about what the adrenals are and what they produce in our body. So the adrenals are actually a gland that sit on top of the kidneys and the primary function of your adrenal glands is they produce majority of your sex hormones, DHEA being one, uh, estrogen and testosterone is also converted um, from DHEA and then progesterone. So a big portion of your sex hormones are being produced by the adrenals, but your adrenals are also in charge of producing stress hormones, adrenaline being one, and also your cortisol. So there's definitely a balancing act that happens with your body's ability to you know, pump out the appropriate level of stress hormones and then also still be able to produce uh, adequate amounts of sex hormones, which obviously will support reproduction, make sure that you're not necessarily having uh, PMS or, you know, other types of hormonal conditions and, um, and also just allowing us to, you know, have proper mood and normal libido. I'm glad that we are um, talking about this. I feel like these are like an underrated organ Mm -hmm. that there's not really a lot out there about the adrenals and really about what they do, but we're talking about some really important things here. We're talking about sex hormones, Uh, and then our stress hormones. And I think we live in this super stressed out world and you know, we're go, go, go. We have cell phones attached to our hands at all times. Um, So I think it's important, you know, learning more about the stress hormones and you know, going into a little bit more about what exactly is adrenal fatigue. Yeah, and I think this is important about, you know, saying that we live in a go, go, go world because some people, when I, when I speak to them, I ask about stress levels. It's one of the things I inquire about in my consultation. And, you know, some people say, well, yeah, of course I have stress, but I handle it really well. That's just, it's just my life. And unfortunately, you know, we've evolved so much um, as, you know, a species, but at the same time, genetically, our bodies don't necessarily understand that 
you know, we live in worlds that we have to deal with more stress than maybe we did, um, you know, when we were hunter gatherers. So despite our evolution, our bio, certain levels of our biochemistry haven't evolved. So even though you might be a go, go, go person, but feel like you're handling that, that is in turn affecting your biochemistry and essentially fatiguing your adrenals, which is going to start to create a cascade of symptoms. So a little bit more elaborate than, than that is there are actually different phases of adrenal fatigue. So phase one is the people that on a lab analysis, it's going to actually show me that they're overproducing their stress hormones. So maybe their adrenaline is through the roof or their cortisol is through the roof. And this is the person that's like, you know, go, 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 really kind of burning the candle at both ends. It almost feels a little high and wired. They maybe have some trouble with sleeping or having racy mind before, you know, falling asleep. So they're very much still in the first phase of, of literally running on adrenaline. So when that goes on for a long period of time, and this could be five years, it could be 10 years, then your adrenals get fatigued and you actually will see a noticeable drop on laboratory analysis that now the cortisol and the adrenaline is actually way lower. It's way lower, lower than the normal. And these are people that are now feeling burnt. They're feeling burnt out. They're really kind of struggling to get enough sleep. You know, they're, they're really exhausted in the morning. Maybe they're drinking more coffee and uh, they're definitely having that midday crash. And then you still don't really know what's going on. You go, oh, well, you know, I'm getting older, so it is what it is, and I just got to deal with it, and I know I need to sleep, but I have this project, and I have kids, and I can't really take a break. So you let it go, you let it go, you let it go. Maybe you're 15, 20 years down the line now, and now you go into phase three adrenal fatigue, and this is really the people that can't really get out of bed. Their body is literally just not allowing them to even have normal activities of daily living anymore. And, um, you know, every day is, is a struggle and they're really not able to think clearly. The brain fog is, you know, out of this world. And, you know, they're, they're really just never feeling energized, never feeling refreshed. I think it's funny the way that you explained it too, because I always think of it as it almost goes along with like the pattern of your life. So you think about... When you become an adult, you're 18, 20s, you're in college maybe, you get out of college, you've got all this drive and you're wired and, and you have all the stress and you're managing it really well. And then, you know, a couple years later you get married and you have kids and somewhere along the line there, you hit the point where you start to burn out. And then everything starts to drop low and you get that crash and you have, you know, more of that stress and stress and stress. And then it's, you know, years later, by the time some people even come and see us, They've been running that way for so long that then they're at that third and final phase of, you know, they're not even getting the stress hormones. So I think it's interesting that you can almost see it kind of go with the pattern of life. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is as you were explaining some of that, I always thought it was very interesting that our bodies don't necessarily know the difference between real and perceived stress. So mm -hmm. something like watching the news and or even like a, a drama, a dramatic movie or, mm -hmm. um, you know, something on TV that's going to kind of work you up. You might start to feel upset or cry at movies. That type of thing is 
not something that our body necessarily recognizes that there's a difference between. So if we're stressed out all day long and then we come home and we're watching the news or watching these stressful mm-hmm. shows, it can contribute to those symptoms as well. Oh, I 100% agree. You know, unfortunately, we live in a world where there's a lot of stressors around us and, you know, not even just the emotional stressors, but, you know, we have so many chemical stressors that are around us. You know, if we're working in, you know, a city and we're breathing in different types of chemicals or, you know, we're going into, um, you know, give a sales pitch and then we have that more of that adrenaline rush with the emotional stress and then you have pressure for your deadline. You know, there's all these different stressors that come up and then, you know, even going home and like you said, when you're supposed to be essentially winding down, if you're then getting on technology, you know, you're sitting there trying to bang out the rest of those emails you didn't get to through the day, which is technically actually pumping out more stress hormones because that's one of the things that technology does is it actually runs the stress response in the brain. So, and then you might be watching the news, which is giving you technically negative feedback because of all of the violence and, you know, other tragic events happening. So there are a lot of ways that we can essentially burn our adrenals out and just burn ourselves out in general. So going back to talking about the adrenals, and I know that you had mentioned sex hormones, what other parts of the body uh, does this affect? Well, we already established that the adrenal glands are making our sex hormones. And, you know, one of the really important things to understand is, you know, if we've ever taken a psychology class, we've heard about the concept fight or flight. And when we go into these uh, these stages of pumping out adrenaline, again, because maybe we are, you know, high and wired and we have a lot of deadlines and projects, or you're just running around being go, go, go because you have a family you know, all of these different things start to push us into what we call fight or flight. And, you know, fight or flight is something that your body literally thinks that you are in a situation to either fight a tiger or run, aka you're running on adrenaline. So if your body perceives you to be in this stage of either fighting a tiger or needing to run and flee the scene, then there's a couple of things that are not important at that time because you need to pump out the stress hormones. So one of the things is reproduction. It is not important for you to be reproducing at that time. So AKA your stress hormone production goes down. And the other thing is, is digestion. You're not worried about digesting a meal when you're in fight or flight. So a lot of the you know, the mobilization and breakdown and digestion of your food slows down tremendously as well. So there's definitely a cascade of events that happen, but this is one of the primary reasons for, you know, the epidemic of hypothyroidism, you know, as well as just hormonal imbalance in general. You know, there are other influences to hormones. You know, we've talked about the influence of the gut with hormones in some of our previous podcasts, which is a very important thing to consider. But at the same time, if we are that person that's doing the long commute, you know, getting up early, working all day, especially behind a computer all day, kind of putting our our brain in that, um, you know, stressful state, and then you get home and you have to take care of the kids and you got to get them ready and take the baths. And then finally, you're not really able to wind down until late at night. You know, these are things that are going to dramatically change your endocrine system because your hormones are not a priority to be produced at that point. 
So if someone presents to you with these symptoms or, you know, a history of stress, uh, what type of testing would you likely do with them? So one of the best ways to evaluate the adrenal glands is definitely doing a uh, combination of a urine and saliva test. So typically when I evaluate someone's um, adrenal health, I am going to do anywhere between a four point to an eight point cortisol test. So pretty much what that means is you're gonna do a saliva sample a couple times um, throughout the day. Um, and it really just allows us to see the fluctuations in your cortisol. And I think this is something that's really important as well because we always hear about you know these different recommendations of like how frequently we should eat or what's the best remedy for weight loss. And some people say, eat five meals a day. And other people say, no, eat three meals a day. And when you actually look at someone's cortisol through the day, it actually dictates a lot about their blood sugar. So it really allows us to have a better understanding as to what their eating habits should be during the day. Because if they're kind of you know doing peaks and valleys with their cortisol levels, then that means their cortisol is really unstable, AKA their blood sugar is really unstable. So there's very strategic ways about fixing that and that can also induce weight loss, which is great. Um, but not only are you gonna get information about the cortisol from the saliva, you're also gonna get information about the sex hormones. So you're gonna be able to look at the DHEA, you're also going to look at the estrogen, um, you're gonna look at the testosterone and the progesterone levels. So these are things that are gonna give us a lot of insight as to is this person overproducing these stress hormones and underproducing the sex hormones? Um, and it allows us to kind of best advise um, and treat this person to, to get the adrenals functioning better. Uh, one of the other things that I typically tag along with this test is um, the uh, urine sample. And the urine sample is actually to look at um, some stress hormones, but also pretty much all of your neurotransmitters because two of your neurotransmitters called norepinephrine and epinephrine are also classified as stress hormones. So if you just do saliva, you'll only get one part of the picture because you're only gonna get those cortisol levels. So actually looking at somebody's adrenaline output is really, really important, and that's typically through urine. So when it comes to now someone presents to you and, and they are, you know, presenting to you with the adrenal fatigue, we've done the testing and now we know, what type of things would you do with this person to help fix this? Yeah, so like um, like I mentioned before, you definitely always wanna rule out gut issues. Um, that is something that will kind of impede the process of healing the adrenals, um, just because you know different pathogens in the gut can affect everything in the body, especially our, our endocrine system, because the adrenals are technically part of the endocrine system. So with that being said, rule that out first, which would be through stool analysis. Um, but then, you know, if you've kind of been moving along and, you know, somebody has cleared out their gut, everything's working really well in that area, and now you've kind of moved into the phase of, of healing the adrenals, there's actually a lot of really fantastic adaptogenic herbs. What I mean by adaptogenic is um, these are herbs that will actually meet you where you are. And so if, you have, if you're in phase one adrenal fatigue, AKA you're pumping out a lot of adrenaline, pumping out a lot of cortisol, then you're going to want to obviously lower those numbers. If you're someone who's maybe phase two, phase three, and your levels have bottomed out, you actually need to stimulate the production without over stimulating. So you don't go backwards into producing too much adrenaline. 
So these adaptogenic herbs actually kind of allow, they meet you where you're at and bring you to a normal range. They adapt. Um, so a couple of these different herbs include ashwagandha, holy basil, rhodiola, um, ginseng, shisandra, and reishi, reishi mushroom specifically. So there'll be different um, supplements that you'll use according to the person and their labs, but that's kind of just a general overview. I would say ashwagandha is one of the most powerful and also one of the uh, herbs that we see the most success with. So that one's kind of a, a safe route to go. But, um, you know, having the testing and having more of the, the picture of what the entire endocrine system looks like, you'll be able to determine more specifically which adaptogens you're going to gravitate towards. So supplements are really just one part of the puzzle. You know, we obviously talked a lot about how our lifestyle can impact this, and we really need to be conscious of having that downtime you know, having some level of exercise that can increase endorphin release, which will also help to decrease stress hormones. And we also have to be conscious of our technology use. You know, if you're the person that works in front of a computer all day long, you need to really try to tone it down at night. You know, it, it, the last thing that you want to be doing is, you know, be on the computer all day and then, you know, get home and get back on the computer to do your personal emails or then start watching TV or, you know, be, you know, uh, cruising the web on your phone while you're in bed. It's just too much simulation. And these are things that, again, induce that fight or flight response. So it's really a matter of, of trying to, to tone that down. So one of the things that we actually love um, that we use in our own office, and I know that some people based off of their work environment will be able to download this and some won't, but um, it's called F.Lux, L-U-X, and this is something that will actually take the blue light out of your computer, and this will actually decrease um, the stress response in the brain from staring at a computer screen all day. Also, the, um, the iPhone most recent update, if you do have an iPhone, they recently implemented something called Night Shift, and it does the same thing. It takes the blue light out of your phone, so if you have an iPhone, you can implement that as well. Perfect. Um, so then, you know, one of the other things that you can use actually while you're at work or you can use it um, late at night, especially if you're having trouble with sleep, is um, an app called Brainwave which is uh, Binaural Beats, B-I-N-A-U-R-A-L. And this is something that we use quite often, um, even during our workday, because it's something that you actually will put on, uh, put headphones on or, you know, put the earbuds in your ears while um, choosing one of the settings in this app. And what I mean by that is they have so many different um, options. They have something for concentration, they have something for uh, focus, they have things for sleep. And what it does is it actually will play these binaural beats, which are frequencies that will help to balance the brain hemispheres. So this is really fantastic for balancing the brain hemisphere so you decrease the stress response, but at the same time, it's also going to um, increase certain or increase activity in certain parts of the brain. So if it's trying to make you more alert or make you focus or concentrate. Um, so it's really, really useful to use, again, during your workday. And there are different settings for sleep if you are someone who is having racy mind at night. I'm glad that you shared some of those lifestyle tips because I think that, you know, when people are listening, they really like to have something that they can take away with them. 
I think that self-care is really important and I think it's something that for most people gets put on the back burner, Mm -hmm. you know, and that could be different for everyone. It could be, you know, scheduling yourself time to uh, listen to the binaural beats or it could be getting a massage or exercise. You know, everybody has that thing that kind of is their stress relief. And I think we always think that we have to go, go, go and we have to meet that deadline. And truthfully, if we're overly stressed and not being able to focus, we're not meeting that deadline anyway. We're we could not be, productive. We could be way more productive if we're mm-hmm. actually taking that time to slow down. Um, and I know that for a lot of people, it's difficult to do that because we're so programmed in this fight or flight stage that, you know, you lay down and now you have to check your personal email. So I like to tell people too, you know, even if you have to start slow and say, all right, I, I want to cut off my technology an hour before bed, that sounds like a lot of time. So let's start maybe 10 minutes, you know, can you take 10 minutes, read a book or, you know, spend some time listening to the, to the binaural beats. Uh, so it's just always about changing the habits and implementing things a little bit at a time. I think it's really important that you said that because, you know, for those of you listening and, and thinking like, this sounds really overwhelming and I can't imagine slowing down. We've been there, (laughs) been there, done that, you know, between, um, you know, going through a graduate program, you know, then, you know, working, I worked full time while taking uh, 45 credits per quarter. Um, You know, I I then got out of school and, and built a business and then left that business and then came and opened my own business. And, you know, I didn't know how to relax. I did not, I thought that I was not being productive by, you know, sitting around or, or, or relaxing. You know, I, I almost couldn't even find, like I would get stressed out to get a massage because I was like, couldn't relax. So it's a process to try to kind of slow down and, and take that time for yourself. But I think the operative word that you used, Brooke, was schedule. Like if it's not on your schedule, it will not happen. And I remember, you know, having a business coach and her telling me that I had to schedule time off and I had to schedule self-care. And I remember thinking that was so absolutely ridiculous and it almost made me angry, to be honest. And um, and after, you know, me being stubborn, I realized literally no self-care was happening. It, it, I let it go for a year. I, I, if it was not on the schedule, something else filled in that gap. So putting it on the schedule and like literally making a commitment to it allowed me to finally start to take that time for myself. And then it kind of snowballed into being like, okay, no, I need this. I need this to stay focused. I need this to stay productive. So, you know, when you're kind of just going through the motions and you're go, go, go all the time, you know, you don't realize that your energy is so scattered. So it's very unlikely that you're doing things to your full potential you know, or to the full potential that it can get done. Because again, your energy is so all over the place. So take the time for yourself. You deserve it, first of all. And like Brooke said, take it slow. So we'd love to send over, if you'd like uh, to opt in, we would love to send over those resources, the Flux and the Night Shift app, just so that you have those and you can begin implementing those in too. And we thank you so much for listening. And until next time.